Welcome to the Ready Eddy Podcast, where we tell the story of startups in the outdoor sport industry through the voice of their founders. Hey guys, before we jump into today's episode, I wanted to take a moment to talk about the Ready Yeti membership. We've grown to have thousands of products from some amazing up and coming brands, anything from skis and snowboards, jackets, hiking boots, even supplements and snack bars. It's an incredible way to save a ton on gear with discounts of up to 50% off. Join the Ready Yeti membership and do your part to help support some of these incredible small businesses that aren't just making incredible gear, but are also putting a lot of effort into social action and doing their part to create an environmentally conscious business. Join today at www.readyyeti.com members and start supporting these amazing startups and saving a ton on gear. This week's podcast is sponsored by Hiker Hunger Outfitters. Hiker Hunger Outfitters is a company founded by hikers who take pride in creating outdoor gear made for movement. With over 80,000 happy customers, their products are designed with you in mind and they truly care about your experience with their company. Whether you're a hiker, camper, walker, explorer, or weekend adventurer, their products are made for all types of people that care about getting fresh air and staying active. Their most popular products are the two models of trekking poles, carbon fiber for those looking for a lightweight option and aluminum for tougher terrain. Check out either of these models if you've been in the market for walking sticks. Just read the reviews to get an idea of the benefit they provide and how they've impacted the customers in a positive way. Hiker Hunger Outfitters is all about community and offering high quality products that are accessible and useful to anyone looking to continue exploring, no matter what age or how active you are. Visit HikerHungerOutfitters.com to see all of their products or call 877-700-7227 to speak with Cindy, their go-to customer service rock star. You could even text Emily, who happens to be one of the co-founders, at 413-627-1004. She's one of the friendliest people you'll talk to and she loves meeting new people. As an added bonus, Hiker Hunger Outfitters is offering a discount for first-time buyers. At checkout, just type in the code NEWGEAR15 and you'll get 15% off your purchase. What is going on, Ready Yeti Podcast listeners? Josh Salvo here, your host. On today's episode, I'm sitting down with one of the co-founders of Montum, Joseph. Uh, oh, man. Joseph, you're going to have to tell, say your last name because I was <laughs> going to say it and then I know I was going to butcher it. So I will let you tell our audience how to pronounce your last name. <laughs> All right. <laughs> My last name is Italian, so... This is not uncommon. It's Pasolacqua. <laughs> Pasolacqua. Perfect. All right. And I'm Italian. It's, I feel ashamed that I couldn't pronounce that. <laughs> Just in the moment, I uh, felt the pressure. <laughs> um, so for, for Montem, for the listener that may not be familiar um, with your business, how would you best describe it to somebody? Sure. So we're basically an outdoor retailer. Um, we design our own outdoor gear. We basically look at kind of what the market's missing and what we want, and then we make our own gear. We basically make gear that we want to use is the best way to put it, and we try and charge as little as we can so that we can keep on making and getting into as many people's hands as possible. That's so interesting. So how, what's your background? How did you get into, um, what made you decide you wanted to start an outdoor company? Sure. So that's actually a really awesome question. That kind of has two parts. So um, I grew up in New York. So really not many options to get outdoors. You kind of hit up the Appalachian Trail once every couple of months with your family and that's it. So I had a passion for the outdoors, but couldn't really act on it as much growing up. I went into fitness. I got into like powerlifting and that whole kind of vibe and 
So that's where I came from. And then I started to talk to Kevin. He was a friend of a friend. And Kevin's huge in outdoors. Uh, he was in California for a while, just literally hiking all the time on any free second he had. And then we got together and basically I got back into it. I started to hike a little bit more with him and go out as much as I could. And then that's kind of what brought us together and pushed us into this direction. That's really interesting. So you grew up in New York. Um, obviously, it's the concrete jungle. <laughs> so, it's, you know, seeing grass and trees can be somewhat challenging, although you grew up in Brooklyn. So there's a lot more of that. <laughs> but, exactly. That's fair. Yeah. Well, I, I like talking about New York because like we're based in New York as well. And every time we interact with someone, whether it's a new subscriber or a new brand, they're always like, oh, where are you based? You know, Salt Lake, Denver, Pacific Northwest. We're like, no, New York. <laughs> they're like, wait, what? Yeah. Yeah, we always get a double take with that. Every time people ask, for instance, where are you from, Joseph? Like, you have this outdoor company. You're, you're, you know, you're, you're trying to build this thing. Like, what, what's your experience? I'm like, oh, you know, I'm just a kid from Canarsie. Like, I, I, I hiked to the Seaview Park and I walked by the water maybe. So that's as far as I could get, you know, without my parents taking me out. So I know. Yeah, it's so interesting how even in the city there is um, a drive to get outside, you know. And there's actually a pretty big community of people who do like getting out of the city, going up to whether it's Bear Mountain or a little bit further to the Gunks for some climbing or Vermont, New Hampshire, and Maine, um, discovering all all those states have to offer. But um, I guess where I want to start here is how would you best describe, like Montem, you guys make a lot of products, right? You make trekking poles, you make packs, you make hammocks, you make really a number of things. How would you best differentiate, like describe your differentiating factor from other brands in the outdoor space? Sure. So I feel like the, the best way to describe it without kind of blasting with all these details is we took like everything that we loved about all of the, the major brands and we took everything we hated and we changed it. So we kept what we loved, got rid of what we didn't like. And then what we did, and this is where it's different, is we made sure that the quality was identical to the ones that we loved. And we then said, um, let's charge as little as we can while still being able to continue producing it, get into as many people's hands as possible, and just kind of push the outdoor field forward. Uh, we're, we're not really in it to, to kind of steal this huge profit. We're in it to kind of just enable people. So that's, that's kind of our big Montem mission. So you started with the uh, trekking pole, right? And mm -hmm. how did you develop it? Do you have any background in manufacturing? And what, what really, how did you set it apart from the other trekking poles out there? Sure. So what we did is, and I'll elaborate a little bit on what I said before, because it kind of falls into how we did design. So we basically thought of all the poles that we've used like what do we love and we kind of brought them all into my friend's apartment we sat there and we used them over the course of a few weeks and we said okay i love this about this one i don't like this about it though i love this about this one but this isn't on this one and so we kind of tried to combine all the features that we loved and thought were just awesome and take away what we didn't like or felt like uh, maybe was unnecessary or drove the price up unnecessarily and we combined those into what we would call our first kind of iteration of the product. And then we tested that. And then as we kept testing, we made more and more changes. And that's how we came about with our first ever product, which was the ultra strong uh, trekking pole. That's one that kind of gained the, the traction, really pushed us. 
um, between getting that into the wire cutter and like uh, GQ. So that was a, a big deal for us. So okay, so you developed the product, right? It's yes. it meets your your requirements on standard and quality and and price. Then how did you market it? Being you know in New York, where you don't necessarily have um, like connections to like uh, um, you know the outdoor community. Sure. So we were just honest. Um, like a lot of a lot of companies will kind of say that they're you know doing this or that or or. Um, we we put this into this. I don't want to put any words in anyone's mouth, but you know, everyone says kind of what they're doing and why they're doing it. And we didn't want to market it traditionally. We didn't want to say these are the best polls, buy them now. We just were honest. We said we basically started out by talking to local people and um, trying to get into local hiking groups and offering it to people to try. And then we were honest through our like on our website. And when we launched on Amazon, we just basically wrote, hey, you know. When people would ask us or we were trying to get out there, we would say, hey, these are the poles that we designed that we love. You know, we're outdoors people. This met all of our criteria. The quality is identical to the people, you know, charging X amount. And we're just basically selling the same quality with what we hope and we consider better features or, or advancements or things that we like pulled from different models into one at basically half the price. And, you know, Give it a shot. Tell us what you think. And that's that was our big, you know, kind of quote unquote marketing uh, ploy was to just be real with our customer base. Like, hey, this is what we're doing and this is why we're doing it. We hope you give it a shot. If not, thanks for checking us out. So would you say that most of your growth has just come from word of mouth? 100 percent word of mouth. Yeah, um, we we basically we did no real we don't do marketing. Uh, we're not marketers. We don't. We don't really focus on that. We just kind of sat down and we thought, hey, you know, we're we're not marketers. We're not going to run all of these things that we don't really know what to do with. So we focused heavily on word of mouth. So we would, you know, just be really involved with the customer base. Uh, as the as co-founders, we directly handle pretty much and have our hands on all of the customer service even today, just constantly checking in, keeping up with people. Uh, we would check in with customers a couple months after directly ourselves. We would talk with everyone. Uh, we would get feedback and we would actually act on the feedback. We had one uh, one issue when we launched where the, the poll had a little bit of a, like a, a rattle to it. And we basically spoke with all of our customers and we noticed that that was a thing that got brought up maybe one in five to 10 times. And so we made and designed our own, I, I won't say what it is, but thing to change it. And we were able to update the model and we sent out, um, you know, replacements to everyone who had brought it up. And that was a really big thing because then that's kind of what propelled us is all these people now were saying, whoa, this company actually does live up to what they say. And they basically told everyone, hey, did you hear about this company? And um, eventually what happened is that ended up getting over to Backpacker magazine. And that's how we kind of got our in. And they actually published us as a, a top affordable carbon model back in March, literally just due to the word of mouth kind of spreading over to them. Well, it really goes to show the power of building a quality product. Um, okay, so you started in 2016, you introduced the trekking pole, and then over time you slowly introduced new products. Did you, do you have, what would you say is your um, expertise? Did you have a lot of knowledge in like sourcing and manufacturing and quality control? Or just sort of just figure all that stuff out as you went? 
we just figured that out as we went. We we could have taken a really long time and and kind of made excuses, but we realized the only way to learn is to do. So we we did get lucky. We have a family friend who actually has um, handles our manufacturing, and so we were able to you know maintain a super strict quality control initially without knowing how, if that makes sense, because we were so close with them that it was just a natural quality control that now we know what to look for and now we know how to do it. But initially when we didn't, we were lucky enough to to have that relationship where it wasn't just, Hey, how's production going? It was, how's your family? You know, like how's so-and-so and you know, they would send us pictures from their wedding and we got invited to their weddings and, and things like that. So that enabled us to have that initial quality control when we kind of dove right in. Yeah, it's interesting. It really goes to show how important good relationships are and being able to have that trust and knowing that they're going to, you know, do the best job. Because like we, I've talked to so many founders who will source their product um, from China and from companies that they've never worked with before. And I've heard horror stories, <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah, it's, it's, it's rough. It is. The thing is, it, it's super difficult. And it, I can tell you right off the bat that I, I can empathize with them because I can only imagine what it would be like without kind of having that initial boost in, in that relationship. Definitely. Now, I, w- I want to talk a little bit about um, sustainability in the manufacturing process. How, as an outdoor company, do you keep that top of mind um, with all the different products that you currently make and then the future ones that you um, have in the pipeline? Sure. So. The best way that we can do it right now, what we're working on is one, we, like I said, since we have close, we have close relationships and we still do with our initial team and manufacturers. And what we do is to maintain kind of this whole um, sustainable manufacturing and trying to keep basically things clean is the best way to put it is we develop such close relationships with all of our factories that they know that we don't accept kind of unfair or unsanitary conditions. So what they'll do is they'll use, um, they'll focus on basically recycling and trying to use as little energy as possible. And we visit to actually ensure that. So I recently came back from a trip last year that I went to everyone just to confirm that they were doing kind of, I don't like, I don't want to go into detail on what we do personally, just because I don't feel like it's, it's like way too much to say, but we focus highly on sustainable energy, quality working conditions, um, making sure that basically everything is running smoothly, cleanly, um, and there's just nothing kind of offhand going on, nothing that we wouldn't be proud of and we to say, hey, come here, this is where we're making our stuff. Definitely. Did you have any um, mentors along this journey from when you started working on the business to now? Yeah, so that's an excellent question. I I don't feel like there's one person in particular that I can give credit to as a mentor. It was honestly just a learning experience for everyone involved. Um, I didn't, we didn't have anyone guiding us. We didn't have anyone really giving advice. So I feel like as, as corny as this might sound, failure was kind of our mentor. So when things went bad, that's how we basically were taught what to do and how to do it and why to do what we didn't do or why we shouldn't do what we did do. So that's, I feel like, the best way to kind of answer that question is that basically trying everything and anything and and not succeeding was was what guided us. Now, I got to ask you, what what made you decide to name the company Monta? Sure. So that's a really funny question. We had no clue what to name it. 
So like, I'm sure you know this firsthand and, and so do all these people out there. Like when you're naming something, you just have this personal attachment to it and you want it to have the perfect name, like no matter what it is, you know? So when it's coming to naming your company and you never know how big it's going to get, you obviously aim for it to be huge, but you never know. And you're sitting there and you're thinking, I don't want to name it something bad. Like I want people to like this. So we, we were sitting in my friend's living room and we were just like five or six hours deep into this conversation on the name. And then someone just yells out mountain. And we're like, what? No, you can't even, we're not naming a company mountain. And he goes, what about, and like, what is it? What, how do you say it in Latin? And so he saw that, uh, if you search, like, if you say mountain in Latin, it's mountain. And so we thought, you know, that's unique. Um, nobody's done that. And so that's kind of how we got that name because we felt like a mountain kind of embodies that outdoors experience. And, it brought a little kind of flair to that name. Yeah, that's so funny. You know, I, with my co-founder on Red Yeti, Drew, like 10 years ago at this point, we wanted to start our own production company. And we kind of like sat down, we're like, all right, we got to come up with a creative name. It's got to be cleverish. It's got to kind of be cool and unique. And like you said, it's like, you want people to like it when they hear it. <clears throat> and so we, we were like, uh, snow, how can we incorporate snow? Cause it wanted, we wanted it to be skiing related. Right. And we we're like, what's the Latin word for snow? We're like, Neveus, Neveus, we can call it Neveus Productions. <laughs> and that, that's how we came up with our name that, uh, didn't actually turn into a production company, but we got as far as naming it. <laughs> maybe, maybe it's a New York thing. We love using Latin. Yeah, I, I guess. We're like, it makes it, it makes it unique. <laughs> it's unique. It's, uh, it's regal. Like people are going to say and go, Ooh, what's that? Exactly. Exactly. Um, so, okay. So what is the, I know we were talking offline. There's six of you uh, working full time on on Montum. So what is what does a normal day look like for you guys um, in the office? Sure. So a normal day is basically we all, you know, the usual. We all come in. Everyone's got their coffee because it's New York, and we just get started. So all of us try and break our day up into kind of the day to day and then time for kind of, um, anything that might happen and for brainstorming. So we all come in, we'll have our coffee and everyone's quiet. They say a quick hello and everyone just has so much that they want to do because they were thinking about it at night or they bring their little notebooks and they all come out and we do our daily thing. Um, everyone kind of has their set daily tasks that they want to accomplish. You know, this person's going over emails, this person's going over, you know, customer inquiries. And so we run through that. And then um, in terms of a typical day, then there's, you know, the typical banter, like, haha, this person did this or this or whatever. And um, then we get into the fun part. And this is the fun part because this is where we get to kind of be, uh, you know, a fun company kind of, you know, we're all working extremely hard and we're all pouring everything we have into it. So this is, this is kind of what makes it worth it is we brainstorm. We sit there and we go, okay, why are we doing this, right? Like what, what's the goal? And then somebody will chime in and another person will chime in. It just turns into this, this conversation that usually leads to some really awesome ideas. A lot, of the, a lot of the things that we've done have come from basically these kind of half-jokey diving into business conversations. And, and that's what the rest of the day usually consists of. It's just basically brainstorming and then acting on it literally that day if something really clicks with everyone. And uh, then, the usual, everyone heads on home, deals with that rush hour train traffic where there are delays and you don't get home for an hour and a half, even though you live 
you know, four miles. 30, <laughs> yeah, 30 blocks away, four miles. And, and you know, yeah. so, and then we'll usually, um, we'll work from home usually. So we'll get back online and, you know, have kind of a quick rundown of the day and discuss what we, what we kind of want to accomplish or what we think of everything that like, basically what you, you had your time to digest this conversation. What are your thoughts still? That's really interesting. Yeah. No, having a, a nice work uh, space that you can all come together and sort of collaborate and communicate and really have that sense of community is it's really important, especially once you have a team that's a little bit more substantial, um, you know, like six people, that's a good amount. That's a, like, I feel like that's at that point where you're like, okay, like we need to start interacting on a more um, regular ba- basis in person, obviously makes it more um, genuine, but also like easier, right? Because like if you had a, a, um, a business where everyone was remote, it'd be just a little bit more difficult to have that sort of connection with each other outside of just the regular work that you guys are doing. Yeah, I love that. Um, what would you say has been one of the hardest parts about starting and, and building Montem? it's got to be the days that you fail so it's a super generic answer i'm sure like everyone says the same thing but the failure just it's really rough there's because you're so invested in it it's not it's not like you're um when when i was in school i would care if i i got a bad i would care if i got a bad grade but it wouldn't really blow me out of the water because you're you're just you're doing the work that someone else assigned you kind of but when it's when everything is yours, like this is your idea, this is how you want to implement it, this was what you wanted to do, and it just doesn't work. That's probably the hardest part because it's it's a direct blow at you. You know, you, like you weren't good enough, and your idea didn't click, and it wasn't good enough. And it's like, well, why are you here? You go through all these thoughts. Why am I here? Why did I do this? What did I do wrong? Why can't I get this right? And that can that can really just really mess with you for days and days until you figure out how to either get over it and move on or, or how to fix whatever it is you want to do and make it happen. Yeah, especially in the beginning, because there's a lot more failure up front, just because you don't have um, a lot of the intricacies of your business figured out. And like, obviously, once you start to figure that stuff out, you start to mix the failure with successes, <laughs> which helps. <laughs> yeah, you start to have those little clicks where where it goes well. But yeah, no, the, the beginning, like you said, if, if anything, then you can say the beginning is the, the hardest part too, because you're literally failing every day. The beginning, oh, yeah. you don't know anything in the beginning. Yeah. So like every idea you have, you're, you're at like what, a one in, one in 30 ideas are good in the beginning, if even. And then that one is kind of like, it's mediocre and it kind of clicks. And then you just hold on to it. You're like, all right, fine. You know, this is working. Let's, let's just run with this. And then, you know hope for the best. And, and that's definitely really difficult. Yeah, no, it really is. Um, but once you do start to get those early successes, you, you, you're like, okay, all right, <laughs> like I can do this. This is fine. <laughs> it's you start it to get that, that like rolling momentum where, where you gain confidence and you start to build off of that and you get experience. Yeah, no, I, I agree completely. Um, so what would you say is your greatest fear and how do you manage that in regards to Montem? So that's a question that it actually, the answer evolves as time goes by. So when, when we first started, there's, you know, there's no fear in the beginning. Um, well, I'll rephrase that, right? Like there's, there's this fear that it won't work, but it's not really a fear. It's this feeling of, I want to do this and I need to do this, but I understand this might not happen because there's no attachment. There's no, like you didn't accomplish anything yet. You just have an idea. And then once you, your idea is in play and things are growing, then your fear is, Am I good enough? Can I continue to grow this? Am I, am I going to succeed? And then right now at this point, 
my biggest fear would be, what if this all goes away? And it's the thing is, it's not for you. It's for your team. Because now when you have a team, it's not just you, right? If I fail, that's, that's on me. I'll, I'll bounce back. I'll figure it out. But now if I fail or I, I, you know, I mislead us, then that's, that's hurting how many families. And so that's, that's the biggest fear at this point is, um, that, that fear that something could happen or something might happen eventually, you know, you, what if you make a, a bad decision or, or things don't work out and now your team and their families all don't have their company that they've been working on with you. Yeah. Once, once paychecks are involved in people's livelihoods, you're just sort of like a little more nervous about taking risks. <laughs> you are. It's true. When you first start, you just throw caution to the wind. Like you're, you're just, you're fearless. You have nothing to lose. You, you understand, Hey, if this doesn't work, I didn't, I, I lost my time and whatever I put into it, but I'm not, I'm only hurting myself. But when you have paychecks and livelihoods and, you know, families involved, then now every decision you make is much more complex. It's down to down to the smallest things, like things I never thought that I would think about. I'm sitting here going, all right, should we do this? Like, is this going to really work? Because if it, if it doesn't, then what happens in this and that? It's just um, a, a very complex situation, I would say. I'd say definitely that's a, my biggest fear at this point in Montem is making sure I make all the right decisions that I don't basically hurt anyone. What would you say are some of the biggest mistakes you've made so far? Sure. So our biggest mistake by far, and everyone will agree with me, too many products at once. We made our polls, our polls, our checking polls clicked. We expanded that lineup. They were just clicking like everyone was loving them. We were getting great reviews. And then we thought we could do no harm. And we were like, let's expand the lineup. Let's just launch a bunch of products and build it out. So whoever comes to Amazon or our website and loves the polls will, you know, by association, you know, really dig these other items. And what happened is I spent way too much time focusing on other items, not enough time focusing on the polls. I spent too much time launching all these items, but they were kind of like half launched. There was no, like we weren't telling people we were launching them. Nobody knew these products were there. And then they just popped up on our website when we got them and we finally finished them. And then I would like let them know and we'd, we'd send, you know, it just, it didn't click with our base because we didn't do what we did with the polls. We didn't create that kind of experience. And so we just, we launched way too many items at once, too many products, and basically lost track of what people did love, which was the polls and really growing that. Yeah, no, it's... Um... It's interesting when you have that momentum, you're like, okay, all right, let's expand the line. And then you don't realize like, okay, now we have to spend just as much time as we spend on these polls on the four different products that we've also added, <laughs> but with the same amount of people, <laughs> you know, that's exactly, yeah, that's it. You know, you, you sit there and you, you don't think about it because it's your first product, right? So it's just like, everything is flying. Time is flying by, you're losing track of it. When in all reality, it took us almost a year for that to entirely click. And then we launched in 2016 and Backpacker Magazine happened in March. So, you know, you're talking what? Um, I think we first, we first, first really started to build this in January of 2016. And now you're talking March of 2018. So it took two years and change to finally kind of reach that, 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 like that pivot point where you're really kind of there with a product and, and you know that, okay, this made it, this is good. Like we know this is good. Even they're testing it and saying it's good. 
And we, we just didn't think about that. And so 2017 was just launching a ton of stuff without actually giving it the attention that we did the trekking poles. What advice would you give to someone that wanted to start a business, whether it was in the outdoor space or really just a business in general? I would say just do it, which is super again generic, but it's really just do it. Like everyone's so afraid of failing, but you have to fail. It's, it's part of the process. Like just fail, embrace failing. Everyone's so afraid because of their ego perhaps, or, or like nobody wants to fail. It's, it's natural. It's human nature, but fail, embrace it, enjoy it. Like that's how you learn. Like when you're a kid, how many times did you fall when you were learning to walk? How many times did you burn your mouth on food? How many times did you cut yourself with a knife before you learned not to do it and how, how to walk and eat and all these things? You need to just do it, fail, and learn from that failure and, and grow from it. Yeah, it's, it, that's really great advice. And obviously, <clears throat> you don't want to fail while taking incredibly large risks. <laughs> you start small. Yeah, don't, don't take out like a, a six-figure yeah, loan. Exactly. But <laughs> fail on the small stuff, right? Like, I have no clue how to code at all when i say i don't know how to code i mean i'm illiterate when it comes to css or html or anything but i don't have anyone <laughs> so i could you know i could have spent money on bringing somebody in to code some stuff for me or i was just like you know what, let me figure this out and let me tell you the first when i when i went to test it so put my html into um, a tester it was disgusting. It looked like nothing. I had no clue what was going on. And everyone was just cracking up in the office. Like, what is this? And this is a small scale example, but, um, that's how you learn. So I just kept redoing it and eventually I got it. And now I'm, I'm still illiterate, but like, I, I have a, I have a teeny bit where I can understand what's going on. I can, I can do some basic HTML as needed and it's, you know, take those risks, right? Like don't, don't go out there and say, I'm going to, you know, I just listened to Joseph. I'm going to take out this huge loan and I'm going to just launch, like have a game plan. Don't haphazardly do stuff, have a game plan, have an idea, act on it. Then, you know, do the, do the due diligence, do the hard work and then act on it. And if you fail, you fail, but you at least did everything the right way. And then you can see why you failed. Where do you see Montem in the next year, five years, 10 years down the road? Who knows? Hopefully, nice, huge company. We're helping a bunch of people get outdoors, making some awesome products and providing a livelihood for as many people as possible. That's the goal. Um, when we started the company and we feel the same way today, our goal was just to help people. We, we want to provide as much as we can, create jobs. And we want to get, we genuinely just want to get high quality gear out there and make it affordable. Like, we want people to be able to grab this stuff and get outside. A lot of people are limited, you know? I mean, a lot of people just can't or feel like they aren't able to really enjoy the hours because, for instance, mobility, that's a big deal for a lot of individuals, maybe 50s and up, you know, their, their hips hurt, their knees hurt, and they can't get outside. And trekking poles, they're not going to spend $150, $200 on a pair of poles Neither, and they're not going to trust themselves with a $20 pair of poles. So there's like, there's no high value product that's kind of in between that gives you that high value with that affordable price point. So we basically wanted to enable people to really kind of get what they need and get that same quality that's out there for a close price point to what they feel comfortable with and just help them basically get outside. What's the best part about running Montem? 
everything. It's a blast every day. I get to see basically all of my best friends. I get to do what I love and I get to learn new stuff. That's the most awesome part. I have learned so much uh, doing this, you know, more than I think I, I learned in however long I spent getting an education. It's just learning new things. Like you, you just, you put yourself out there and you, you learn new awesome things, you know? And the thing is you're not gonna know to, to research these things and learn them because you have to experience the issue to learn it. So you, you get this kind of environment where your every day is a new challenge and each new challenge, you have to learn something new to tackle it. And that just gets added into your repertoire and you just keep building and building and building and you get stronger each and every day from that. I love it. I, uh, I appreciate you for coming on the, the podcast, Joseph, and, and sharing your story and the story of Montem and all the things that you guys are building. And uh, it's always nice to uh, meet a fellow New Yorker <laughs> starting an outdoor and building an outdoor business. Um, and uh, with that, I, um, if listeners want to keep tabs on everything that you guys have going on going forward, where's the best place for them to do that? Sure. So check us out. We're montemlife.com. Sign up, you know, we send out emails on everything we're working on and social media, go to our Instagram. We, tr- we keep up with that personally. I'm always checking that. We have a really awesome Facebook group called Hikers Network and we, we're like all over that. Like you're directly talking to us day in and day out. Um, basically all of us love it. It's where we interact. It's basically a huge network for hikers to post their, you know, their pictures, their stories, a lot of a lot of guys, like one guy just tackled, I think, a mountain in Iceland and he did a live stream from the top. So it's just a cool That's awesome. place. Yeah. So um, it's called Hikers Network. And then, you know, the usual, everyone has social media. We're Montem Outdoor Gear on Facebook and Twitter. Yeah, we'll, we'll link to all that, including the, the Facebook group on the show notes. So if anyone wants to check that out, um, you can find the link there. And um, for anyone listening between uh, the dates of Ju- June 5th and July 3rd, you can actually enter to win some gear from Montem along with a ton of other uh, startups in the outdoor space. You can head over to Ready Eddie for your chance uh, to win. And with that, Joseph, thanks again for uh, taking the time to chat and share your story. Yeah, it was my pleasure, Josh. Thank you for having me. This was honestly a lot of fun. If you enjoyed today's podcast episode, then we would be incredibly appreciative if you could log on to iTunes and leave us a quick review. This really helps us get noticed by other podcast listeners like yourself. And if you know anyone that would benefit from this episode, then please share it along. Well, that wraps up this episode of the Ready Eddie Podcast. We'll catch you guys next week.